You are now about to witness the awesome crushing a might Robinson Show Stop Welcome, my friends. <laughs> this is B number one. Seven, four. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Yeah. All right. I forgot the little thingy, the dealy, the microphone. I'll get it up in a second. But right now, Bob Riley's going to sing us in like he has since 2007. Intro, all of nothing, from Stigmata's Calling of the Just. How's that? That looks like it, it works. Intro, Calling of the Just, still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they shoot you to death in a nightclub, hit your car with a hammer, and get rid of your pro tem mayor. Uh, hold on. I'm hoping that mic works. I think so. Let me know if not. And I think I, I got to do something else here. Good. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right. All right. Uh, hmm. So right away, I'm beset with problems and difficulties because I don't see any comments. And uh, that is one of the charming features of the show that, uh, let me see if I can, if I can figure out, send feedback. That's not what I want. Uh, hmm. Well, let's see if any of you can, uh, okay, here we go. No, I don't want to switch channel. Well, damn it. Looks like you guys are SOL here. I don't know what to say. Uh-oh, not that. Not that. Oh, live chat. Let's see if that works. Uh, live chat, live chat replay. Who can send messages? Anyone? I should switch it to subscribers. Uh, however, wait. We said it. Messages slow. No, I'm all right. Uh, how about that? I'm going to switch it to subscribers. Um. And uh, I'm going to say that you can submit. You have to if you subscribe in a minute, that works. And let's see if that works. Uh, live chat, live chat replay. All right. Well, 
and I see nothing. <laughs> it says change is saved, but I'm too nervous to do anything else. So if you got comments, let's see. I'll keep the phone. Sorry, I'll keep the phone open. Uh, you need to tweet them because I, I I don't I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to how to fix this. Uh, expand menu. I already think I already did that. Uh, no. Oh well, it is as it is. Sorry, uh, you guys are gonna figure out another way to communicate with each other and uh, make dick jokes. Uh, okay, so listen, commercial wise, uh, Pinko nine five zero one four at yahoo.com. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty clear that that's it. I need to check later. Oh, here's somebody, okay, um, that uh, that, that is where you send. Money for Patreon. Uh, yeah, thank you there, God Killer. The show is working. I know the show is working, but I can't see the comments. So, um, so anyway, uh, Venmo Cash App and uh, uh, Venmo Cash App, um, Venmo Cash App, Patreon, old fashioned way, like Tommy LB does, Tommy Pounds sends it through the mail. That's P.O. Box 19271, 19271, Stanford, California, 94309. And uh, uh, or you can do it, sorry, just subscribe to the Substack and you can, it's for free, but you can also pay a pittance for the piece, uh, uh, for the pieces on Substack. And Okay, somebody... And let me see what he, what he's saying here. We got the Twitter. Oh, the deaf cat is in, and he's about to start yelling. Man, I tell you, this is just not uh, okay. Ah, yeah, Mister Is is back. Well, all right. So first off, first off, um, first off, let me explain Substack to you. Eugene S. Robinson dot substack dot com. This is my sole means of employment today. Huh, Eugene? What? Huh? What? Hmm. Eugene Robinson and Ozzy have parted ways. We'll be talking about that soon or maybe not. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? Nine long years. Um, so Substack is the name of the game. And the cool part about Substack, of course, from, from my point of view, is, is that much like Prince during the latter part of his career, um, or no, the, the, say three quarters of the way through his career, the latter part of his career was marked by death. Three quarters of the way through his career, the issue, one of the issues he had with Warner Brothers it's like, how are you going to tell the artist, how are you going to tell the artist to modulate, to titrate his creative output? If I want to put out a record a week, change your contract. All right? Change your contract. Change your contract to indicate that I can't put out a record a week. Do that. <laughs> so the, the, the glory of, of Substack is that much like Colonel Kurtz, 
operating beyond any reasonable control. They said your methods were unsound. Are they unsound, Willard? I don't see any method at all, sir. And so it is that, that we are left there. So let's get into this right away so we don't have to go 15 minutes over like last time. And sorry, I can't see. I would refresh the screen in the hopes that it would let me see the your comments, but I don't dare do that. We risk losing the entire show. So um, I, I, I will check periodically uh, 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 the Twitter thing. Uh, um, so anyway, something that some of you have been kind of sort of astute enough to pick up on, and that naturally flows from some of the past shows when we're talking about the two weeks we spent kind of talking about why murder is wrong. And this wasn't two weeks we spent on the show. We spent a couple of times talking about in the show but in the Oxbow travelogue, of course, we spent two weeks in the van trying to come to a conclusion about why murder is wrong. Or, or at the very least, we use the word wrong, and that's the word I'm using in describing it to you, but that's just a more helpful word to use. You know, It's just a more helpful word to use to put it in a framework of desirable and not desirable. All right. Certainly, if I kill a bad guy who's breaking into my house... That's a desirable outcome. Most people would, I would not get dragged to prison, prison for this. And most people would hold me morally, uh, morally, uh, 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 not irresponsible. That's a, uh, morally free and clear. Wrong seems to imply some sort of moral standing, I, I believe. But I just want to say helpful versus not helpful. So two weeks, two weeks of driving around in the van in Europe before we finally came to the conclusion that uh, societies that, that that breed um, uh, that that encourage that that, that embrace murder um, as a as a negotiating tool, an instrument of of state uh, state sponsored uh, uh, activity, are inherently uh, unstable societies. And if, if society has one goal, it's to perpetuate that society itself, right? In other words, anti suicide, <laughs> a suicide a, a society that's, that that's sole reason for being and design is to throw itself apart is not a society at all. It's a catastrophe. It's an accident. It is anti-nature, right? Um, you know, there are not a lot of animals in nature that commit suicide. I, the whale thing and still confusing people and, and so on. But, you know, in, in general, in general, we don't, the animal kingdom doesn't have this. So we don't want an unstable society. We want a functioning society because in, insofar as societies are good, we can look at them as being the font of all that is human and therefore on a certain level, you know, a total good. And again, we used words that are loaded. We used wrong and we used good, which we, again, we could desirable and undesirable, helpful or not helpful. Sub those in if you need. So, you know, but through that all, through that all, we, we've managed to talk, we, we, in stripping it of, of a kind of moral framework, we helpfully, helpfully, in a helpful manner, got rid of a discussion about the nature of good and evil, which I touched on last week, 
or and the week before last, in actual fact, where I said a functioning definition of evil that I had that had, had been worked for me for a while was delight and cruelty. But then I came to a conclusion over the past months, few months, that uh, growing up with the Three Stooges, Jesus Christ, what's happening with these glasses? Now I can see. <laughs> growing up with the Three Stooges, that there is a certain d delight in, in, in cruelty, right? I've seen people fall down flights of stairs and thought it was hilarious. Not them getting hurt, but just the slapstick aspect of it. I was younger then. But I might, who knows, I might laugh now. I saw a guy being all, I was in, in, a, in a restaurant in Tahoe with a, a woman named Jessica. And she said, I need to go to the bathroom. And I said, okay, and I'm going to wait outside for you. And outside was a, a theater piece, like with an audience of one, me. So some guy was clearly jazzed about his, his brunch date and how well it had gone she had maybe gone to the bathroom as well. He stepped outside of a Lions or a Stickney's or one of these breakfast places. And he was, you could see his body motion. He was like, yeah, this is great. And there was a rock there, a large landscape rock, a rock so big that I could not lift it. By which to say, it appeared to be stable. Dude, jump, he's doing his little, yeah, I'm getting in there dance, jumps up on the rock. The rock starts to wobble. The guy falls, cracks his head on the, on the pavement. And I felt like, man, I am most loved by God today. And, you know, he brushes himself off. He looks around to see if anybody saw it. And, you know, 100 yards away across the parking lot, he sees me there. The smile. For those of you just listening on SoundCloud, I now have a big why Why can't we be friends from that record cover? Smile. Sands the gold tooth. If you haven't listened to War, go listen to War. I love those guys. I won that record. That and Al Stewart, Year of the Cat, I won by staying up till 3 in the morning and calling every 11 minutes WPLJ in New York to win those records. I own them still. Which reminds me of a guy who's sneaking into a no-tell motel, a Motel 6. Right. And I'm in the parking lot of Motel 6. It doesn't matter what I was doing there. But this guy is got his hoodie pulled over his head and he's got the drawstring. You can't down a shillelagh. I know I'm telling I'm just telling it now because it amuses me. And he's got the, 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 the he's pulled it so tight that you can't really see. And the woman he's with doesn't know what's happening. She's like, oh, you're being so wacky. Ha ha ha. I. I, you can fool some of the people some of the time. I know dude doesn't want to be spotted here. Not by somebody who knows him, but by the eyes of the world that I can tell this dude is a six. The woman is a three. He doesn't want to be publicly identified. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. Been in a hotel lobby. If you've been in that situation, you just got to roll with it. It's got to roll with it. You got to. There's, there's no sense at all of, 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 of having that the buyer's remorse, you know. So you're having sex with a 320 pound woman who gives a shit. She reaches for your hand in the lobby. You're like, oh, well, okay. But dude is, he's, you know, he's trying to like, uh, and he's doing a good job of maneuvering 
you know, uh, uh, obstacles in the parking lot, right? He's maneuvering stuff on the ground. He's not tripping over. He's, he, with this little, you know, this, his, his hoodie, he's got this thing. And she's like, oh, like you're being so silly. You're so funny, funny. I know what he's doing. And I position myself and right before they get to the door where it would be uncomfortable for him to, to, to continue this mummery, I plant myself. And when he pulls off his hoodie so he doesn't walk into the door and doesn't have to explain why he's being so weird for so long, he pulls off his hoodie, lets the hole expand and lets his face out. The first thing he sees, my eyes seeing him. That's what I wanted him to see. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> like the Grateful Dead once sang, eyes of the world. This was a digression. It has nothing to do with the nature of good and evil. So we skipped through talking about good and evil, except to say that which is helpful and that which is not helpful, but you can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. And now watching on this thing, on Netflix called I Am I, I Am a Killer. And Sean Strickland spent some time in his post-fight press conference saying that it was his ardent dream that he actually murder somebody in the cage. He would be stoked, I think is a direct quote. I would be stoked. And there's something clean about how 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 he you know, you think about the boxers, Boom Boom Mancini, the boxers who, you know, who have actually killed somebody in the, in the ring. And they haven't been super happy about it. Or if you go to the fight book, that is fight or everything you want to know about asking, but you're asking for asking, written by me, there's a chapter called I Killed a Man. And the guy said, yeah, that's all well and good. I'm glad I got to use my jujitsu and wasn't hurt. But you weren't sitting in court across from a guy's nine-year-old daughter. A guy who's dead, his nine-year-old daughter. That wasn't you. So yeah, okay. So on the one hand, what we're talking about is, you know, in, in collegial terms, in, in academe terms, without getting mired in some kind of moral relativism. Okay, we've already said that murder it breeds unstable societies. Okay. What we haven't discussed is whether murder is evil, <laughs> right? And we, what we've said is essentially murder is unhelpful and therefore undesirable. Can we use words like evil to describe it? Does evil exist, the word evil exists outside of a moral framework? It's like pornography. We don't know what it is, but we know what it is when we see it. My interview with Anton LaVey was spent the first, if you read it, and it's up on the Church of Satan website. You know, I spend the first portion of the interview getting him to cop to, to having some understanding of what evil is. And he doesn't. At first, I think he's being evasive. So I ask in different ways, and then it dawns on me that he actually doesn't. Now, he's done some stuff during his life that many would find substandard. You know, I'm not talking, I'm not talking out, of, out of school, uh, since the principals have talked about this before, 
but there's been some sort of um there's been some sort of uh rumor mongering about Stanton LeVay, Anton LeVay's grandson, and his parentage. That Anton was very possibly his grandson's father. Add that up any way you like. I'm not starting a rumor. I'm repeating a rumor. Told by some of the principals. Evil. Not desirable. I feel comfortable describing describing uh, evil. If I were to say, if I were to describe evil as something that is, we've already got definitions at work, say aggressively unhelpful. I don't think that qualifies. Because right now, I am aggressively unhelpful to the vast majority of you. What have I done for you lately? It's not evil. So, you know, systematic denial of the reality of experience and understanding of nihilism, you know, embracing instability as an ethos. Now we might be getting somewhere. We because the, the building block that we have is that is that okay. Murder is unhelpful and therefore undesirable. But choosing that which is unhelpful and undesirable with uh, with a with a quickness and a, and an, a, a level of aggression. That might come close to close to close to qualifying I, I, the word. The word that I'm looking for here is knowingness. We've already come to we've already come to a decision. Watching, I am a killer. We've already come to a decision. Courts all over the land. If there's no consciousness of wrongdoing, there's no wrongdoing. Like Steve Martin said in his comedy routine, "How to make a million dollars and don't pay taxes." First, you get a million dollars, then you don't pay the taxes. And when they catch you, you say, I forgot. This is a variation of that I didn't know. I didn't know killing 12 million people in Germany between 1933 and 1945 was, uh, was evil. I didn't know it was bad. I didn't know it was unhelpful. In fact, like the Auschwitz, the, uh, the accountant at Auschwitz said, the one, the woman, the guy who was forgiven as part of Eva Kors forgiveness project. The woman uh, who was one of Mengele's experimental subjects, who I interviewed right before she died, and we had plans to meet up in Auschwitz. He said, "I am morally culpable." In other words, I've been involved in evil activity, unhelpful, aggressively unhelpful activity. However. I'm not legally culpable. The law of the land was such that I was abiding by the law of the land. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just reading Mr. Is's comment. Sean sounded like an excited child who just killed his first buck in the wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh um, So, he morally, 
And so what he's done is place morality in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a special case, in a box, which is where it should be, ideally. Because all of a sudden we're talking about stuff. King David, one of the greatest fi- he actually murdered a guy so he could fuck his wife. That was pretty unhelpful. <laughs> Again, it depends on who you were. If it was the wife or King David, it was pretty helpful. Were there other ways for King David to uh, attain that end? Did he Was it perversion? Did he aggressively pursue that end when there were others available, but he chose the unhelpful, undesirable one to his taste? despite the fact that it would breed increased instability. Was King David morally culpable, but legally uh, 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 um, innocent, not guilty? You could make that claim, and then you'd understand why people hate the law. Killing a guy so you can fuck his wife, any society, anywhere, understands that as being unhelpful, undesirable behavior, especially since most of you could fuck the wife without having to kill the guy. (laughs) In this day and age, the husband might even be asking you to. I've heard tell of such things. So, you know, so we're stuck, we're stuck with this kind of third leg standing for evil, for good, for good and evil. But, but again, when I'm talking to LaVey about it and he wasn't being, he wasn't being evasive, he had just never felt it. That's what I thought to myself. He had never felt it. And then I started to come to the conclusion after reading something in uh, Cerebrum magazine and they were talking about analyzing the brains of men who were in prison for murder. And they were talking about the chemical precursors that exist in their brain that, um, that, the, that results in the neurons firing both a little too fast and a little bit too slow. The kind of foresight, and I felt this instant, like I remember, uh, who was it? So, oh, oh, uh, Jonathan, oh, I can't remember his name now. He was like a vice president at Paramount for a long time. And he and I were friends for a period. I had broken up with a girl and I was depressed and I was sitting in a large food place, like not at, on the Paramount lot, certainly not there. And he came up to me and was like, hey, Eugene, what's, what's wrong? How come no jokes out of you today? And I looked at my plate and I looked at the fork next to the plate. And in my mind's eye, I had a vision of like, this is the slow-mo version. Grabbing the fork. Stabbing him in the face with the fork until he went away and left me alone. I had the image in my head. And I carried it further as I sat there as he's taunting me. Good-naturedly, he didn't know. Good-naturedly, taunting me. I also had the foresight to play it beyond that. The massive freak out when I start stabbing this guy in the face with the fork and all of the repercussions afterward that indicate to me that this is a distinctly unhelpful, undesirable outcome to me being depressed about being dumped by, by a girl. And moreover, they don't even connect. Your boss screams at you, you kick the cat. 
Cat doesn't feel better, you don't feel better, and your boss is none the wiser. So I don't stab Jonathan. Uh, I, I wish I could remember his last name suddenly. And I, get, I, I don't stab him in the face, but I realize that there's a process. And I didn't know that there were biomarkers connected to this process until I started reading Cerebrum magazine. I believe it was the name of the magazine. And that people in, in prison, they, they both are quick to act and slow that, that gap between, like I, I, I was, had a desire to act and instantaneously had the foresight to understand that acting in the way that I desired to act was going to be unhelpful. It was I almost one-to-one. It was really fast. And that has repeatedly been the case during the course of my life. And yet, prisons are full of people. And watching this I Am Killer thing, prisons are full of people who moreover seem to regret that they've killed people, or at least the loss of their freedom, which in my mind is largely the same thing. In other words, they did a cost-benefit analysis post-facto and found their, their activity and actions wanting. Didn't work out well. It was unprofitable. Now you realize, if you've ever been to jail, if you've ever been to prison, it's just a place to be. Some of us go to camp. Some of us go to sports camp. Some of us go to band camp. Some of us go to jail. Some of us go to the military. It's just a place to be. If you're walking and talking generally, you know, and you're breathing and seeing the sun at least a little bit, generally, most would consider that you're okay. But nobody wants to have to go to prison for 30 years unless you've had the most unstable outside existence in the world because prison offers stability. And yet the desire is to make choices that are the exact opposite. So LeVay, I finally figured out, is not being evasive. He just hasn't felt it. And beyond that, beyond that, beyond that, if you have read the story about stomping out rape literally, go to ozzy.com, stomping out rape literally, in my first name, and it comes up in the search. You just go to Google and type that in. It comes up. You, I talk about beating this guy who uh, uh, tried to rape a friend of mine who is now dead. She just died this past year, in the past 12 months. Not from COVID, but from cancer. And, and so there I had the chemical precursors were going. I had the ability to see. But under the cloak of righteousness, like the wrestling coach used to say, let the good make right this evil wrong. We almost beat a guy to death. But there was a point during this beating where I could feel the animal rising inside of me. And the animal was like saying, oh, that video, that video, you know, it's like the angels on either shoulder. That video that you keep seeing, fuck that video, bro, this guy deserves it. Fucking deserves it, and you know it. Fuck him. One one more or less Lower East Side drug dealer doesn't make, and this one happened to be a rapist, doesn't seem to beat up his girlfriend on the street. I didn't like that, but they were both seem kind of streety to me, so I was like, hey, whatever, it's not my business. It was 1981, 82. Year before my wife was born.
That's <laughs> creepy. That means I could have been walking along the Lower East Side and go, ah, it's a cute baby. <laughs> yeah, Let's not think about age right now. We're talking about evil and good. Focus. The LeVay hadn't felt this. She's all right. It's all right. Maybe that's maybe that's not evil. There were biomarkers. It's a biochemical thing. But does it exist separate from the body? Well, a guy I know who is a world-class uh, quantum mechanics guy. And uh, he was also uh, a champion wrestler, uh, third in the state and, and a good wrestling state. I'm not going to go into it. I don't know a guy that wants his stuff put on Front Street. But he was doing stuff with isolation tanks and massive amounts of LSD. He's a world-renowned physicist now, so it's not like the guy is living in the street. And one of the things that started to happen to him as he was going into these outer-reached realms was that there were beings that were, you know, you look into the, the abyss, the abyss looks into you, that were coming back with him. At one point, he screamed a blood-curdling scream. We were roommates. I rush in, and I go, what are you talking This three-foot-tall Hitler kind of materialized through his loft and was coming toward him. He realized in the light of day that it was kind of ridiculous, but he saw it. We all laughed about it until he actually got knocked off of a cliff by something reportedly seen by other people. I go, could it have been an owl? Could it have been a screech owl? He goes, nah, bro. Big black bat wing creature. And I was like, well, it's nothing he's done that I haven't done. I, we, Einstein, Podolevsky, and Rosen theorem, put that in practice and actually tried to make that work. Precognitive thought and thought transmission. So why am I not getting visitations? Well, it's simple. He was drawn to wrestling and started. I was drawn to wrestling ultimately as as a secondary to the violence that came from the karate that I'd already been taking as a result of the fist fighting that I already started doing. That wrestling was about control and it was a good secondary or tertiary measure to control an opponent without actually hurting them, without introducing chaos to, to the game. I guess dampen everything down but this guy's an engineer it's numbers everything is everything ordered and controlled and things that he met in these realms would have also fallen under that under the rubric these were things that needed to be ordered and controlled not me i think i wrote about it i can't remember the title i wrote about when i was surrounded by Five or six guys with knives on a stairwell in the Lower East Side. And they said something to me in heavily accented English, which I didn't understand. And I just, I wasn't afraid. As far as I knew, I hadn't done anything. I, I evinced no fear. Because it had nothing to do with me. They were running up these stairs. I just kind of moved to the side. So I had guys with knives. I was walking down the street in New York. Guy jumps out of a limo with a fucking thirty-eight. And a bag full of cash. I see nothing. I just keep walking. The guy was making, it was putting money in a night depository at some bank. Clearly it come from one of the local clubs. None of my business. I don't see it. I don't see a thing. 
I've had guns pulled on me once or twice. Once for sure. And I and I laughed and took it away from the guy. I didn't take him seriously. I, he was known to me, a known associate, so I didn't think he was going to actually shoot me. So I go into these outer realms, these outer reaches, and I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. I don't expect, I don't need to control reality. So, uh, um, so I'm starting to think about the nature of, you, you know, aggressive anti-human action, these outer reaches. And, you know, I would, I come in peace, but I'm prepared, I'm, I'm prepared for war. And in fact, a lot of the, the confusing thing is, I, I remember saying to somebody, how come everybody I hit in the face has that same look when I hit them in the face? And they go, what look is that? I go, surprise. <laughs> because most of the people who I've punched in the face in the last 20 years, I've told them, I'm going to punch you in the face. You keep that up, I'm going to hit you in the face. That's a causal universe. So, so good, evil. You know, uh, I don't know that these visitations he found to be evil, but they were undesirable and unhelpful. And they felt bad. They felt like the choice had been made to do him ill. And that is undesirable and unhelpful. And we're all quite comfortable calling that evil. I remember, I remember going to a party. I was a sophomore, maybe even a freshman at col in college. And I, I've told this story before. And it was a house that got burned down ultimately because there was so much gang rape going on there. Delta Tau Delta. Sorry if you're dealt and you don't like me saying that, but you can go to Google and there was a very suspicious fire that burned it down. And there were a lot, you know, whatever. I don't want to get into that right now. But I decided to go. It was right next to the hippie commune uh, where a buddy of mine lived and I had visited him. He was like over. I knew a couple of football players. I knew some guys from the varsity weight room. And I knew some guys who played rugby. And I was like, cool, I'm going to the party. Had to go to the bathroom. So the bathroom's upstairs. I go upstairs, and as I'm walking down the hallway to the bathroom, now keep in mind, I'm just me in my head, right? I'm just me in my head. I don't notice. The, I'm so used to people looking at me that I don't notice that people are looking at me, right? It doesn't feel strange for me to be anywhere that I happen to be. I don't have this cultural kind of uncomfortability with white folks, specifically. So I see this guy I play rugby with, Al, I go, Al! And Al turns to me, and I can see Al is fucked up. And Al doesn't recognize me. He should, he's an upperclassman, I'm a freshman, I don't know, I don't know about you. And he, there's this kind of bellicosity when he turns around, he's like, ugh. And I know in an instant that if things go south in this house, I'm fucked. I run the video through in my head. Animal brain kicks in. 
And right away, even though the next words out of my mouth were, how you doing, Al? The look in my eyes had become feral. Because if Al had made any other move other than to say hello, like call her for help or blah, 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 or taking a swing or do any number of different things drunk guys are known to do, I was going to attack Al. Al saw this and goes, oh, and stumbled off. But usually in the last 20, 25 years, I've typically said, you don't leave me alone, I'm going to hit you in the mouth. And then I hit them in the mouth and I get that same look. Causal is quite comfortable. It's stability. If you rob the bank and get caught for robbing the bank, you will go to jail. That's a framework most people can live with. But there are a couple of cases on this I am killer thing where you think about Richard Pryor saying, yeah, you know, I used to be kind of a so, you know, social civil rights guy. I was like, hey, you know, these people are political prisoners. And he said, then he started doing comedy shows in prisons. He goes, thank God they're prisons. He asked some guy in prison, he goes, well, why'd you kill everybody? Why'd you kill everybody in the house? He goes, well, they were home, weren't they? There was one, finally, after watching like eight of them, there was one guy where you could see the guy has no understanding of anything that he did was wrong other than, well, I should have killed the husband too. See, it was not killing the husband that got me here. Had I killed the husband, I'd have gotten away with it. <laughs> so initially, the, the thing was, that I heard the husband had $500,000. We're going to kidnap him, his young wife, and their six-month-old infant and take them out on a deserted road. I don't want to hurt the infant, so I'm going to bring two strange women with me to take care of the infant, and I'm going to shoot the couple. Oh, he's, he'll be dead anyway. Don't shoot him again. Leave him. And the guy survives and fingers because he was known to him. And you can see as the guy's talking about it, did you, he said, do you remember telling them to take off their clothes? I goes, yeah. And do you remember telling them that you want to see the way white people fucked? You remember that? He goes, I don't remember that. He said, okay, so why did you have them take off their clothes? He goes, well, I, I, I wanted them aligned. <laughs> At that moment, you can see this is not even this is not even this is not evil. He's not choosing this. This is the way he sees the world. Like it's like saying, I'll, I'll cut your tit off. No, no, man. Tits come in pairs. I'll stab your eye out. Eyes come in pairs. You, in a, you, you, if you would have put on this guy's eyes and look at his version of the world, all of this stuff would make sense to you, but it wouldn't make any sense to anybody else. Is that evil? The actions, yes. The man, no. He's on tiger time, that guy. Tiger time. You know? There's, oh, the, the Siegfried and Roy, one day the tiger, like Chris Rock said, the tiger goes tiger. Who think the tiger was waiting all that time? Well, I'm going to fuck that guy. One of these days, God gives me all this good food. I'm gonna, the tiger just... Went tiger. That's what tigers do. There's no good or evil involved in tiger. That, there was no video for the tiger. They started when tigers were so bad in India, they were attacking. They started wearing masks on the back of their heads because tigers would never attack somebody from the front. They're ambush attackers. So, so in other words, we, we can separate the actions. We can separate the actors. 
We could say there's a whole classification of people who put their eyes on and suddenly that crazy world makes sense and therefore they're not culpable. And then there's a classification of people who have an understanding. Of, they watch that videotape, they push it through and they say, yeah, yeah, I know what you're trying to tell me, but I'm going to go this way. I'm going to beat the guy, the, uh, the low East Side drug dealer to death on the sidewalk because I'm going to make the unhelpful choice just because. And that's the closest we could come to evil. But we know what it is when we see it. And you certainly know what it is when you feel it. But built into the definition of it is that it is unhelpful. I got this Devil's Chessboard here, a book about Alan Dulles. Now, if, you're, if your objective is just to fuck shit up, if that's your end game, fucking shit up, and you're happy when shit gets fucked up, I don't even know that I would qualify that as evil. That's not anything that endures. Again, with the survivability of your system is the health of your system. Thousand-year Reich didn't last a thousand years, bro. Big difference between 12 and 1,000. So, so, so we have actors separated from the actions. We have people who, so half of those people say, let's consciously choose. In other words, choose, choose evil. I used to have a bumper sticker that said that, I think. Or, no, no, my bumper sticker actually said, choose death. It was an alternate to those bumper stickers that said, choose life. Well, choose evil. They did something, the Guardian did a piece called The Knock. And they were talking about how like 865 British women have gotten The Knock. And The Knock is when you're at home and uh, uh, a woman had gotten divorced and her husband had had the weekend with the kids, dropped the kids off. 30 seconds later, there's The Knock. She goes to answer the door and figures her husband, her ex-husband has forgotten something. Uh, um, turns out it's not her ex-husband at the door. It's the police. Standing behind the police, she sees her husband bent over a cruiser, hands behind his back. He's being kidnapped. The knock was to notify her, do not say anything in front of your children. But we have found... Um, uh, child pornography on your, your husband has been accessing, downloading child pornography. Don't tell anybody. They left. She she's, puts the kids to bed. The kids were fine. They were young enough. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't care. They got to watch a little extra TV that night. They go to sleep. She started to, it was so uh, surreal for her. She started to doubt that it had happened. She called the police, the uh, police station next day to find out if those cops were real cops. And they just like, yeah, they're real. Her husband then gets bails out and calls her and says, yeah, I kind of messed up. I was so depressed about the divorce. You know, you get a, she knew he was into porn and he clicked on a couple of things. And she, he goes, I clicked on a couple of body, he used the word body pages. 
So they talk about different ways these women, 860 British women, have gotten the knock and how they dealt with it. And she said, well, you know, she wanted to forgive him. Like, you know, this is a whole daisy chain thing with the web. You know, you one place, you end up the other. And she figured, well, maybe he's looking at 16-year-old girls or teenage girls or something like that. And they got back to her. And she said, hey, what was he, uh, those images? He's thousands of, the, and, they, and they grade them in degree of severity. Thousands through all three degrees. And at that point, she's like, uh, okay, you know. And so the guy goes to trial. He gets minimal time, comes out, and she's talking about how she has to put her life together. He has to register as a sex offender for the rest of his life. He gets no unsupervised visits with the kids. The kids are like, why can't we stay over at dad's? They do an examination to see if he's been molesting his own kids. And uh, um, so on. There are a bunch of stories, a bunch of, bunch of vignettes. And then they did, I mean, they've been doing massive sweeps in the UK for years. They caught up the guy, Pete Townsend. Oh, he's doing research for a book. Yeah, you know what? That's something I've never wanted to research for, for a book or anything else. They got the guys a massive attack. They got, oh, I just, I left my computer open. Now, I remember once a guy gave me, so you should watch this, gave me a videotape. And I'm sitting, he is, I wonder what Rick gave me. And I'm sitting and I put the videotape in and it opens up on a farmyard scene and I go, uh-oh. Pause it, finish eating dinner, and then begin watching what is an animal sex video. I didn't seek this out. A buddy of mine gave it to me because he thought I thought it would be funny. I didn't find it to be funny at all. I, I did note something. There's a certain machismo element. Like, I got to sit there like, just I got to make it through this thing. But it was a bunch of different scenes. I did note... By the fourth scene, and these were like little clips, like, you know, one minute, one minute. By the fourth scene, I was like, oh, God, I can't. She's not that bad looking. <laughs> you know, not the animal, the woman having sex with the animal. So I was like, already by the fourth scene, I, you know, I'm starting to get immune to this, right? Enough so I could look at the woman and say, yeah, she's not too bad looking. Right? But never have I ever wanted, have I ever wanted to. Because there's no way... That pain is not connected to this, to, to this, to, to these videos. No way. So yeah, yeah, Mr. Robinson, how come you said when you're depressed, sometimes you like to watch animal attack videos where hapless humans get attacked by, by wild animals? I go, yes, I did say that. Because humans are responsible. <laughs> They're, in other words, culpable and deserving of every bad thing. Well, okay, Mr. Robinson. Isn't that the same? Human adults have made choices that put them in that category. It violates my sense of fair play when you talk about children. There's not much that's innocent. They're kids who are little assholes, but those people who are molesting those children are not molesting the kids because they're molesting assholes. (laughs) And even so, they got a right to grow up to be somebody other than an asshole. 
possibly. Like that German experiment written about in the New Yorker where this state guy decides, well, since we're going to take all the garbage kids that nobody cares about and put them in the homes of pedophiles because at least the pedophiles would care about them. Oh, that didn't work. But of course, it depends on what your definition of work is. It's in the New Yorker. Look it up, newyorker.com. So people who, this seems to be, there's so much pornography on the web. If you want fat women and skinny guys, that's there. If you want short women and you want dwarves, you want anything. But so in other words, to stride past all of that and to get to videos that you know, that you know, Involve the most innocent. And don't tell me, do not tell me that, okay, if we're going to, if innocence is a qualifier, then how come your adults are ruled out? There's, there's, a, there's a pecking order in jail. But if you go out and kill 10 people, in most societies, you would be persona non grata. In jail, it was like, well, he killed 10 people. You know, who knows? We don't know what the guy, maybe he had his reasons, you know. They're a little bit more understanding. Chomos, nobody understands because those guys had to walk by a whole bunch of other crimes to get to that crime. And that crime inherently is about pain and violation of of a certain kind of innocence. So, yeah, well, if you had your place broken into, maybe you feel like your innocence was violated. I'm an adult. I expect my place to be broken into. And I expect it's not going to be done by somebody who I love and trust. So, you know, a guy wrote a piece for Vice. He goes, I'm a pedophile. He said, but I haven't acted on my desires. So all this conversation about dropping us into wood chippers, what do you do with that? And there have been plenty of people I've met over the years that said, you know, if I follow this guy, I'm quite sure that's a great movie by the guy who did the Inception, his first movie called Following, where some unemployed guy just decides to start following a stranger. So if you follow that guy long enough, I'm sure he'll lead you straight to a felony. I'm 100% sure of that. So Peter Laurie in M, Fritz Lang's M, says, you, the burglar, you can choose what you do. You chose to be a burglar, the prostitute. You chose to be a prostitute. You choose. He goes, I didn't choose this. I can't help it. Because I am as I am. Mm. Using the same argument that I've used to, to, to relieve that guy in jail of responsibility, the guy who shot the husband and wife. It's crazy. I, crazy is a word I, I don't want to even casually throw that word around. He, his, his eyes to see the world differently. So I don't know. I don't know. It seems to me evil is a mixture of cowardice, which would be the exploitation of weakness, right? Um, Cowardice, which is bound up in fear. Uh, Desire to inflict harm or 
passively accede to harm being inflicted. All right, I think that I'm I'm going through my head and checking all the boxes for that. I think that's correct. So when somebody like Sean Strickland and a post-fight presser, and believe me, leaving four minutes to talk about the oofsie from yesterday is, is not leaving little time. I had two cares on, the 14, on a 14-fight on card, two, and one of those lost. The Aspen Ladd fight got dropped. Uh, and I guess, I guess three, maybe Ronnie uh, Yaya got, that also got dropped. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get around to describing good. <laughs> As usual, most people have read most people have read Dante's Inferno. How many have you gotten the Paradiso? Because good, because good is in a, in a place where, well, I mean, cynics among us say good is what's good for you. Oh, the Black Beast Lewis filled up, you know, absorbing all the costs. When the hurricane hit, buses full of water and supplies and, and took them to people in need. This was a selfless act, and that makes it good. I go, says who? I mean, if I was in one of those places and I needed a bunch of water and supplies, I might think, man, that, that was a good thing that guy did. That really helped me. But in the scheme of things, what's good? I mean, keep in mind, if we're having stumbling over evil, we got to stumble over good, too. I don't say all all selfless acts are are prima facie going to be good. I could, well, I could wash my neighbor's car as an excuse to have sex with his wife, but that doesn't make any sense. I I think I just wanted to talk about having sex with my neighbor's wife. I, I guess the question is, have you ever known anybody who was good? I know lots of people who I go, that's a good guy. 99% of the guys, I would say that, that that's a good guy. It's because those guys have done me at no cost to themselves. Gone out of their way to do me a solid. Touch my heart. That's a good guy. And then the camera pulls out a bit and you discover, well, that, uh, that guy actually, not. I'm like the only one who thinks that. <laughs> that guy, Carl Gotch, his family didn't like him. I liked him. Daughter didn't talk to him. God knows what kind of guy he was to have as a father. Who knows? I liked him. It's nice to me. Did me a solid. See a good guy? Seemed like it to me. My friend's father, who picked me up in the wet, that drove me to the wedding in Hamburg before he got all weird and Nazi on me, because he was a Nazi. Also written about in My Night with a Nazi, if you go to Ozzy. Seemed like a pretty good guy. Went out of his way to pick me up at the hotel, drive me in. Good guy. Seemed like it. Adopted by friend. Largely felt to be a, 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 a Jewish kid put up for adoption. Good is just as difficult as evil. We just feel lazy about defining it because uh, because if we don't define it, we don't run as many risks. 
we're pleasantly surprised, not not horribly surprised. But Sean Strickland getting in there saying that he wants to murder somebody in the cage. This is this is garden variety machismo stuff. I mean, one of the last I am a killer things I watched was a guy, four guys in a car, see a woman, and he says, Oh, she was cute. She wanted to talk to us. So we got the most handsome guy in the car, got out, and he goes, And I'm gonna tell you something I've never told anybody. Uh, some guy was at the top of the driveway and he gave him the finger. And I said, Hey, 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 Daryl, you gonna take that? And Daryl marched up and shot him in the face. He had never mentioned that during the trial. One, because he thought it made him look bad. But the reality of it is, at 2.15 in the morning, this woman was not fucking flirting with him. <laughs> like that guy knew, said, oh man, I was at the bus stop last night and this woman sucked my dick. What time was this? The last bus of the night, it was midnight, man. This woman sucked. Yeah. That was no woman, man. In the annals of women, I got, I got news for you. That wasn't a woman. I choose to believe it was a woman, he says. I go, okay. Okay, you believe that. But this guy, when he says, you're going to let him get away with that? He was the mastermind, and he didn't kill the guy. They had been robbing people that night. This wasn't a robbery. This was just macho ideation, and that's where Sean Strickland is. I'm not saying Sean Strickland would not feel guilty. Sean Strickland may know Sean Strickland better than I know Sean Strickland. I'm not saying that if he murdered somebody in the cage, that he'd wake up the next day and goes, that guy's skills were lacking. Fuck him. He might not be bothered by it at all. But you know what we're talking about today? Sean Strickland, albeit only for three minutes, but we're still talking about Sean Strickland. Something if Sean Strickland said, well, you know, it's a, bit, it's, it's a, it's a tough match. And I really, but then we wouldn't have done. We wouldn't have. We wouldn't be talking about it today. But good, if you look at the lost books, and I'm sorry, I didn't said I wasn't going to go over, but I, I, can't, I can't. If you look at the lost books of the Bible, the Apocrypha, they talk about some of Jesus' lost years. And one of the stories I liked the best was um, when Jesus was about 12, he had a, a, a um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he, when he was about 12, um, some a playmate ran into him and Jesus got pissed off and looked at the kid and go dry up and blow away and of course because he was Jesus <laughs> gone now that's not like king david killing the killing the killing the guys you know so he could have sex with his wife and he was 12 i'm sure it didn't make the kid's parents feel any better What what happened to Hosea? Uh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> he uh, he dried up and blew away. What are you talking about? He dried up and blew away. Well, he knocked Jesus down, and Jesus got angry and told him to dry up and blew away. Next thing we know, he was dust in the wind. All he was was dust in the wind and in. Most people, if you say that you think Jesus wasn't that good of a guy, they would have serious questions about how you came to that conclusion. It was his ultimate selfless sacrifice. None of which makes any sense, but okay. We have to show that we can defeat death 
so that people know that we are justified by faith, not by acts. And I, I, you know what, man? I, I, I'm losing track here. <laughs> so how does Jesus getting crucified mean that I know that faith? I, you know, it's just, I can't get into it. It's all, it, organized religion to me is all baffling. It's like taking stuff from the shadows and ascribing character names to them. I don't know. I don't know. Agnosticism seems to be a pretty healthy stance to me. But good? Good, good, I don't know. LaVey doesn't realize that he came closer to defining good than he did defining evil. And finally, after I pushed and pushed, he said, okay, evil is what doesn't feel good. And I go, well, root canal doesn't feel good, but it's not, we don't consider it to be evil. Palliative. But good, well, you know, good is probably what feels good unless you're raping children. And that might feel good to the raper, but I guarantee good is what is what feels good and generates the most good feeling. How's that? What feels good and also generates the most good feeling. Derek the Black Beast Lewis shows up with a bus full of water and supplies, and you're desperately in need of water and supplies, and you and everybody in the neighborhood is desperately in need of water and supplies. You all feel pretty good. Of course, by that logic, Justin Bieber is great. He's made a lot of people feel good. I don't happen to think Justin Bieber is that great, but who am I? How many people feel good because of Oxbow? It's clear when you look at the numbers, Justin Bieber is a better man than I am. He's made more people feel good than I ever have. So saying you feel good about something, we've not defined it at all. We just described the general state of being, but everybody knows what it is to feel good. And much like the book of Job, one of my favorite books at all, Mix a little bit in there. Go to eugenesrobinson.substack.com and read about uh, uh, Stephen Wold. That was that piece has been haunting me. I was going to hold it off to next week because I don't like to run the five easy pieces. I don't like to run it once every four weeks. I couldn't hold it. I had weird dreams last night. I knew it was a piece. I was going to do something on Trump. I got no, 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 not doing that. This, this. Got to be this and did it. If you haven't read it, maybe read it when you're relaxed. Read it when you're relaxed. Anyway, the wife and the kid are just coming home and I'm six minutes over. Thanks for listening. I'll figure out the, the comments thing so we can see it. You can maybe leave it under the video uh, when it's posted. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'll ask June. Maybe she can help me out with it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Monday. We got Care Don't Care and another 14 fight card of which I think I actually got six cares on it, despite the fact that I'm only watching uh, Lewis and Gon under protest. Only under protest. Not just because it's bullshit. We don't need to get into that. So out of 14 fight card, I had six cares. Uh, Monday afternoon, that goes live. So listen to Care Don't Care. Tuesday. Uh, Kid Nate is still on vacation, so Nash is filling in for him on If the Shoes Fit. Don't know what it's going to be on, but there are enough kerfuffles to fill the coffers, 
as usual. The Substack is there all week. Jiu-Jitsu seven days a week. I'm gaining the weight back. You can see it in my face. Eating four meals a day. I was 210 uh, last time. Last time uh, I checked. So up from 192. Feel better. Thanks for listening. Don't die. Until next week. We'll see you soon. Look what you made me do!